Hello, I'm Thomas Carruthers. I'm Will Leggetter. And we're taking it back to 1969 and 2019, a time when there wasn't a terrible pandemic. We were all allowed to go to the cinemas. I saw this twice in one day to Cineworld. Now all the Cineworlds are shut. There was lots of movies coming out. I flew to a different country the week after I watched this. Do you remember when flying was a thing? How great was 2019? But now we're in 2020. Actually, no, we're not. When this comes out, we're in 2021. I lied. Oh, we're not. We're really? Wow. What did you, right. We are recording this in October 2020. How do you think actually anything will have changed by March 2021? I hope so, because it's my birthday in March. Oh, very good. Maybe, maybe the country will, will all get back together and celebrate my birthday as, as one. And we'll be suspending the lockdown for six hours for Will's birthday. Uh, so we can have some normality on Will's birthday. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me! So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Dwine. Um, I don't often do this. Cause it, but I'm going to read you the description I've wrote for this episode. Rayson. R written. <laughs> it's time to round out our fortnight of Tarantino with our most recently released film discussed yet, with Tom and Will's favourite Tarantino, the absolute modern masterpiece and immediate classic, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. An absolute iconic film with, uh, with all-time performances from all involved, an instant modern classic in every regard, a downright poetically beautiful piece of cinema that's a touchstone landmark love letter to Los Angeles, as well as a hilarious comedy, as well as an ode to cinema itself. Can you tell that we liked it? Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people! All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group.
this town. I can all change like that. Hey! You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. I think it's fair to say that we are, and, and I'll be honest, putting it on again yesterday, I was, because this will be my fifth time or whatever in so many since it's come out, and it's a longer film. I don't think it feels its length, but it is a longer film. Mm. And it took me a grand total of three minutes before I was fully sucked in again, and it just absolutely flew by. Well, this is film that you similarly love you love it so much that it has broken your top 10 it, it, yeah immediately uh, luckily that was the only thing it broke um that's i i don't know what i was trying to do with that um, i guess it works no no it it really yeah it's my top 10 my favorite tarantino um yes we are I both official it, now that it's it just, is our favorite tarantino. i don't want to say he's he's got it right this is it's just it's just done it perfectly because that makes it sound like he's always missed the mark but this really is perfection it's ungodly brilliant film truly truly are astounding we, piece we, of cinema are we both saying we would are we both saying we would rank it a 10 without a shadow of a doubt without a, shadow, without a single shadow of a doubt I do, I do think yeah. it's a perfect film. I'm looking now at my changes. They're not changes at all. They're just comments to start more conversation <laughs> topics on for the show. <laughs> like they're hardly changes. I, I do. I think it's a perfect film. Um, yeah. What was your first experience with it? What was your first experience? I went to see this at the cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. This is definitely. I, I don't go to cinema much, but when there's a, you know which films to see at the cinema. You see, you just see anything at the cinema. I uh, do. But I'm, yes. Yeah. But I like the cinema. Yes. Which, yeah. in many ways, I am the film. I. Uh, yeah, I like. I'd watch. No, I wouldn't watch anything. But I've watched some shit. Well, I have an unlimited card, so I pay my seventeen ninety a month, and that's oh yeah, look at me. I, I, I have an unlimited card, and when I'm allowed to use it, when there's not a pandemic on, I obviously want to get my money's worth. Um, so yeah, I go see movies all the time, but I enjoy. And but doesn't this doesn't the middle twenty minutes of this just go make you want to watch movies in yeah. the cinema? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I. I I booked it twice in one day because I just was because uh, it was the week before I was going to Philadelphia uh, so I didn't know what the cinema situation was going to be like in Philadelphia uh, so I doubled down I very nearly saw it a third time that week um, just but I thought mm, it'd probably look bad I need to do some packing I um, but so I so I watched it twice in one day. I watched it on my own, the first showing at Wakefield. Uh, no, the first showing at uh, White Rose. And then I oh, watched it with my mother, grandmother, and sister at White Rose, Wake, at Wakefield. It's an old Wakefield. And 
flew by both times. It's an, it's an ungodly brilliant film. Um, let's see what the kids are saying. Well, actually, let's talk about what the kids are saying. So many annoying people say this is a bad film. Say it's long. Do they? And they say it's long, they say it's boring. I, They're I, wrong. They are wrong. I, I just can't, I, who? And also you've got the thing of that, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to sound snobby, but there are, there are so many people, my sister included, who didn't know who Sharon Tate was and didn't know about the Sharon Tate murder. So for the whole movie, they had no, they were like, oh. why am I watching Margot I, Robbie I, go to the cinema? I, I didn't know either, uh, but I knew, I, I didn't know what happened, no. Don't look at me like that, but I did my research beforehand, so I did understand the film. Okay, all right, yeah, 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 okay. So you did know what, so what, what I'm saying is you did know by the time that you were watching the film. My sister. Oh, yeah. 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 So it came as, yes, so the ending worked. Whereas my sister watched the whole thing and then she was like, why, why are we watching Margot Robbie? Like she didn't, nothing even happened at the end with her. Just watched her walk about. Whereas if you know the tragic history of the horrible murder of Sharon Tate by the, at the hands of the Manson family, as well as um, Jay Sebring, the, hairs, the hairdresser who was the influence for him. Um, I can't remember whether it was him or was the other hairdresser, but uh, I believe it was the influence for the uh, Warren Beatty movie, Shampoo. Um, with, it's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. Julie Christie, Jody, Goldie Hawn. It's Carrie Fisher's first role. It's uh, for, written by Robert Town of Chinatown, The Last Detail, one of our great screenwriters. And it's directed by Hal Ashby, who made seven masterpieces in the 70s. Uh, Harold and Maud being there, Shampoo, um, Coming Home, and um, The Last Detail, as I said. Uh, <laughs> and and the the two German people who were friends of uh, Polanski. Uh, if you haven't, yeah, so if you don't know that, then of course you're going to wonder, what the hell is going on? Why am I watching this? Why am I watching Margot Robbie go watch herself? Wait, that's not herself. She looks very different in that. So, I guess. What do you think, Will, of the people who, who don't know? Um, what do you think of people who have the problem of, of, of the of the what they refer to as the dullness of the film, the slowness? See, I think that the issue is there. It's not the fact that they didn't get the ending. It's the fact that they then used that as an excuse to say, "Well, it's a rubbish film." Mm. Yeah, and I, I dullness. My grandma's comment is that it's, there was too much of the cowboy stuff. She didn't like that. Um, oh, that was the best bit for me. I don't think it's my best bit of the three. I don't know. Well, we'll get into oh. it in ten minute stretch. I don't. I don't actually have any of the Lancer stuff in my ten minute stretches, but because I have a very pernickety thing about the Lancer stuff, which is actually my change. But we'll get to that. However, um, I uh, wouldn't want any less of it. Uh, we're going to talk about the deleted scenes because just put them all in. You're already at two hours 40, just put them all in. I've, on the Blu-ray, there's the whole Green Door song. In Leo, there's the whole version of him singing Green Door. 
why not just put it all in? Is that... Oh yes, it's great. There's an old piano. And hullabaloo. Uh, great stuff. Just put them all in. All of the deleted scenes, I, I just put them straight in, please, Quinton. I, I, these are all great. I know that, you know, you're trying to trim, but... You know what's weird is that in the... So in the credits, so Tim Roth had a scene where he played the British butler of Jay Sebring. Um, and that was filmed and it was cut. And then in the credits, it says the gang, which is all the people that have worked with Quinton before. And it's Tim Roth cut. But that's not on the Blu-ray. So where is it, Quinton? Where is it? Tell me. Tell me, Quinton. Where is it? Because he's not a Kubrick where Kubrick used to who's, burn. Who's Quinton? It's the lead character from Arthur Miller's uh, After the Fall. Now, because Kubrick used to burn every, every deleted scene. He used to burn the film. It's like, this is, this is it. And he would then burn the rest. He, he hated the idea of deleted scenes. They're deleted for a reason. And in many ways I do, yeah, I get that. Um, YouTube comments. Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the few people who have the star power to make Brad Pitt his stunt double. <laughs> Very true. This movie, 10% hippies, 10% dog food, 10% Leo being angry, 5% old movie scene, 5% murder, 60% Brad Pitt driving. Would you add any other percentage in there, Will? I, well, if I added any more percentage, it would be mathematically incorrect. This is true. What a fun, fun comment. But if you were to decrease their joke of the Brad Pitt, what would you add to the percents? Um, uh, cocktails. <laughs> yes, there are some beautiful whiskey sours in this. After watching this movie, I want to buy a dog and a flamethrower. <laughs> Would you rather have a dog or a flamethrower, Will? A dog. I can't believe the budget. They revived Bruce Lee. I'd have a dog too. Uh, that's it for YouTube comments. <laughs> let's dive straight into it. It's, it's, you know, let's talk about this wonderful, wonderful film that we both adore so much. 10 minute stretch time. Will, tell us about your 10 minute stretches. Uh, right, well, yeah, I, well, the best 10 minute stretch for me is um, the... I, you can't really call it a fight. The fight at the end, so at the yeah, yeah in Rick's house, uh, with the the dog just mauling everyone to death. That the dog's the star of the show. The dog's the best. Little bit. Brandy Booth is is the world is best in show. Yes, she is the MVP. Yeah. The minute that Absolutely. Brad, I don't um, have it in specific favorite part, but the minute that Brad laughs, 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 and then goes, goes. and then dies yeah. straight away, <laughs> and you go. Wait a minute. Oh my god. <laughs> Incredible. And and then you're in for you're in for the right. final stretch. Yeah. And you're in a whole new world. Any other nominations? We'll, so, we'll get yeah. more into the yeah, I've we'll get that. more into the final. I've got um Cliff's first uh, well when Cliff goes to the ranch and goes to see George. Spawn Ranch, yes. Can't you see that um, I'm fucking blind? <laughs> The wonderful Bruce Dern playing um, a fill-in 
for Burt Reynolds, who was at the table reading and was the originally cast as George Spann, but unfortunately passed uh, before filming. Um, so yes, so Quinton likes to say that um, the last role that Bert ever played was George Spahn, which he technically did at the read-through. Um, but and, I think um, Bruce did an excellent job, yeah. I've also got um, the uh, sort of filming of um, Bounty Law um, going from when he, you're into it and you think, oh, this is really good. And then he starts asking for his lines, mm. going into that brilliant where she sat on his knee. That, that sort of 10 minutes is, is very good. On coat beaten. That was a triple alliterative improv. Where did that even come <laughs> from? Yeah, improv. <laughs> I love, I love when he goes. Where did that eat bone cold Billy Buster? Where did that come from? He goes, improv. <laughs> it's like the first time he's ever improv. And it's because it is, it's a bit like, you know, a very old, you know, it's obviously based on uh, Steve McQueen with the show Wanted Dead or Alive. Um, which they obviously uh, point fun yeah. out with the great little great escape single minute, which we'll get to. Um, but it, it does feel like a very straight laced 50s TV actor sort of adapting some of the mode of the 60s, you know, yeah. obviously Brando and James Dean of the 50s, but that sort of change of the guard that it is such an incredible. Well, as well as the Manson, I mean, he had no choice to set it in 1969 because of, of the Manson murder. But that 1969 really is a changing of the guard year. Uh, mainly down, of course, to the Manson family. It was, everyone was, you know, sounds crude to say, but everyone was doing drugs. Everybody was having sex. Everybody was having fun. Leave your back doors open. Pardon the pun. Ooh, matron. Yes, very funny. But, and then suddenly there's this horrific, brutal murder of a pregnant woman and three of her friends. And you go, wait a minute. It was a bit like the sexual um, liberation in the LGBT, most of the, the gay community of the 70s, and everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. And then the horrors of the AIDS crisis of the 80s, very similar in the heights of the 60s, ah, oh, free love, hippies, everything. And then suddenly, wait a minute, Let, don't be hippies. Hippies are those weirdos that lived in that ranch that ended up killing Sharon Tate. It, it, it's, so 1969 is such a perfect year to choose. And that is obviously the beauty of the ending in that in many ways, it fit, because you hear about Tarantino talking about his love of movies all the time. And he, and he, loves, he loves lots of modern films, but the 50s, 60s, 70s are, is, are clearly his favorite. Hmm. And in many ways, it sort of feels like he's hoping that changing that integral moment may lead to the golden age continuing a little bit longer. Of course, I disagree with him because it is that darkness that leads to the 70s, which in my opinion is the greatest decade of film we ever had. Um, and I think he'd, I think he'd agree. I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't want to speak for Quinn. Um, any other nominations? Well, for ten minutes stretch. Uh, I suppose you got the opening sort of sequential intro thing. Yeah, I actually uh, split them. I have them in single. Minute. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll hand the ball over to you. Well, I've got Pacino. <laughs> Just what well, if Pacino's in? If Pacino. It, 
how great was 2019 for for a year oh. for Pacino? Because you know we're big Pacino guys. We simultaneously yeah. adore the 70s, real you know the so, pseudo great performances of Pacino. Well, no, undeniably great. Um, but we also adore late 80s, early 90s. Let's call him Wild Pacino. Um, as 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 anybody who's listened to our Devil's Advocate podcast will know. Um, but to have him in some real movies again, in some real roles, support major supporting role here, and then Irishman, where yep. any for me will look at it in Oscar travesty. The biggest travesty for me was that you know. Any other year, this is Pacino's year. Yeah. But you're not going to beat Brad because here's Cliff Booth. Oh, well, yeah, we'll say it now. Brad, for me, Brad Pitt is just excellent. Uh, he, he's just doing Brad Pitt. <laughs> All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. It has been. What are you talking about? What did that guy tell you? He told me the goddamn truth is what he told me. Whoa, whoa. Hey. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Here, put these on. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Now, what's got you so upset, man? Well, coming face to face with the failures that is your career ain't worth crying about, then I don't know what the fuck is. Right. That guy in there turned you down? Well, he wants to help me get into Italian movies. Well, then what's the problem? I gotta do fucking Italian goddamn movies. That's a fucking problem. Come on. He's he's doing the most distilled pit. Yeah. And and it works incredibly it's well. Wonderful. Yeah. He is he is the old he is the old adage. Men want to be him, women want to be with him. I remember in the cinema Men want to smell like. <laughs> Men don't. Nobody wants to smell like. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's fine now. I think it was a part of the of the drinking. But I don't know. <laughs> I dare, dare not to speculate. Um, but the shirt off moment, literally. Oh, you enjoyed that, did you? Oh, very much. Oh, so. oh, Brad. Oh, Bradley. But my mother certainly enjoyed it, and so did my grandma, and they both <laughs> made it known by going. Ooh, and lots of other people in the cinema went, oh. <laughs> it was weird watching it in America and an English audience. In, mm. in England, it played more like a drama, but so much of this is hilarious. Like, I laugh out loud a little bit at the dead wife flashback where she just keeps talking yeah. and then it cuts to him and he the harpoon wife, is, you know. <laughs> he killed his fucking wife. Because, <laughs> oh. He's a war hero, I don't know. <laughs> and, and when it comes to Cliff, and that harpoon is so perfectly aimed. <laughs> there, was, there was a long period, I, I watched a few videos where people are saying that it's supposed to be ambiguous. No, it, it's, it's definitely supposed to be. Um, he killed his wife, yeah. yeah. People like to say that like, the waves are up, going up and down and up and down. And so it may have been accident, maybe it may have been a Marvin situation, um, but I, I, I don't, I don't. It's, uh, it's meant to be Natalie Wood, isn't it? Mm, I no, no, 
I wouldn't say that. I, I, I mean, it would play into that old Hollywood, the tragedies of Hollywood, but I've never, I've never saw it that way. Mainly because Natalie Wood fell off and hit her head. She wasn't harpooned. <laughs> by, by Brad Pitt. <laughs> harpooned by Brad Pitt. Christopher Walken was probably also on the Cliff Booth boat. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great if, if Tarantino cast Chris Walken just to be on that little cut flashback. Just there in the background. Uh, <laughs> Robert Wagner, we don't like you. Even if you didn't kill her, you, would, you did abuse her. Even if you didn't kill her, you bastard. I hope you're listening. I think he's dead. I think he's dead. You. Let's talk about the Playboy Mansion scene whilst I Google if Robert Wagner's dead. Uh, this is my next 10 minute stretch. Our introduction, not our introduction. Uh, yeah, our introduction, because we've only just, we've oh, only- We just saw an airport shot, I think. To start the airport shots, the, uh, where they pull up and hmm. I'm making Italian movies and guess who's living next door to me? <laughs> Roman Polanski. I think the director of Rosemary's Baby. Uh, uh, are you a big Polanski guy, Will? Obviously, obviously, he's a confirmed I'm, pedophile. Yeah. So, say calling yourself a Polanski guy, but do you like Rosemary's Baby? And I, unfortunately, I love, Robert Wagner is still alive. Oh, <laughs> I am a huge fan of uh, the jukebox uh, '80s uh, power ballad musical *Tans the Vampire*. *Tans the Vampire*, which we very nearly went to go see. Yeah, with our friend Lucy, we were in Berlin. And she said, I've got a cousin who is in a musical directed by Roman Polanski called Tans der Vampire, which is an 80s jukebox musical. It's fully in German. Um, yeah, I don't know what Roman's doing. I mean, I, I know what he's doing. It, yeah, we should have done like, it. It's got what? Total Eclipse of the Heart, all sorts of what great songs. Yeah, uh, but it was all in German. Are you not a Chinatown fan? Well, Ch we, Chinatown, I do believe, is coming up in our Jack Nicholson fortnight. Uh, will that be a first not time for you? Not seen Chinatown. Oh, Jesus. Will. Well, well, yeah. Well, I have no doubt. Well, we'll see if you enjoy it. But it is, you know, just one of those greatest movies ever made. You know, I don't know why you would have given it a miss, but. Um, yeah, no, Chinatown's great. Rosemary's Baby's obviously excellent. You a pianist guy? As a pianist? Obviously, you're not a Holocaust survivor, but I, you are a pianist. I I do love The Pianist. Yes, I beautiful. It's a wonderful movie. Beautiful film, yeah. Pianist or Schindler's List? I think Pianist is maybe, um, maybe better. I... Yeah. I'm um, purely because of the point of view it's from. I think it hits harder. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big pianist fan. This is going to sound insane. I think the pianist is a better movie. I think Schindler's List is more watchable. Not that either of them are Caddyshack, <laughs> but Schindler's List. Oh, well, that was Terry Gilliam's biggest problem with Schindler's List was that you know the Holocaust was. The biggest was fail. It was about failure. Schindler's List was a movie about success. Mm. Um, you know, I could have done more. This ring could have been a jewel. Um, good movie, Schindler's List. Don't think we'll do an episode on it. What's your favourite ten-minute stretch? Um, 
Speaking of 10-minute stretches, let's talk about this playboy scene. Let's talk about Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Incredible. She's nominated this year for Bombshell. Terrible, terrible film. She's fine in it, but a terrible, terrible film. Why wasn't she nominated for this? Was she not nominated for this? No, she was nominated for the BAFTA. Um, she actually, well, she made BAFTA history because she was nominated uh, for two Supporting Actress Awards. Yes, I remember now. Um, and she is great in Bombshell. She's one of the shining lights of Bombshell. Um, everybody's good in Bombshell. It's just a terrible, terrible, terrible film that everybody has already forgotten about, and I understand why. Um, Yes, but she's she's so effervescent in this, perfectly encapsulated. She is the angel. She is an she is an angel that hangs over this movie, so tragically and then so beautifully and poetically at the end. We've talked a lot. It, it's you. a haunting ending. It's truly, truly affecting. Truly, truly beautiful. The minute they all walk out the house, and then because it's it's obviously affecting. It's affecting on two levels because it's affecting on, oh, these people have been given a second chance in life. They will never, you know, and obviously it's just a fantasy. And we know that as soon we get sucked into it, but we know, you know, the credits are rolling. But in real life, they didn't go on. But also it's affecting on the level of maybe Rick's got a second chance in life. Maybe he'll be in Chinatown. Maybe he'll get a bit rolled in Chinatown. There's lots of, you know, TV actors in Chinatown. That's always how I've saw the ending. I've seen like, oh, maybe, maybe he gets, but maybe he gets a role in Chinatown. <laughs> um, but so, so, so beautiful um, and poetic and tragic and painful. Um, and to have that moment play as it does after you've just laughed out loud and screamed hilarity and a flamethrowered hippie. I know no greater master of tone yeah. than, than Tarantino. But let's talk about the Playboy Mansion suit, which, we, which keep, I keep saying, and then we never talk about it. Son of a loving man, that incredible little yellow outfit she's got on, just dancing, just dancing the night away, just having the time of her life. We meet um, Damien Lewis and Steve McQueen. Uh, but, yeah. She was married to him. All the way over there. And I don't know how I feel about Damien Lewis and Steve McQueen. How do you feel? I love it. <laughs> I, love, yeah. I love that minute. What do you think of Damien Lewis and Steve McQueen? I think it's very well casted. Yeah. He doesn't look like him. That was my mum's biggest complaint. So, Damien Lewis? A Steve McQueen. <laughs> We're a big Steve McQueen family, so. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Very Steve McQueen. It's got to be great. It's got to be great, Sky. Oh, oh. Towering Inferno. I do like ta Towering Inferno is like an actively bad movie, but I, I very much enjoy it. And it's three hours for no it's reason. Great. I love it. It's so watched, long. Did you watch, uh, was it Skyscraper, the, the Dwayne The Rock Johnson one, which is just towering inferno? But <laughs> just with one guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Magnificent Seven's obviously marvellous. I like Bullet. 
I like bullets, but greatest get we're a big Papignon family. Papignon's a big movie mm. in our house, <laughs> which nobody's ever said. Uh, but we're a big, yeah, we're a big, we're big Papignon guys. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll do a Papignon episode. Bruce Lee. Another big country. We've skipped over the controversies. Mm. I was going to do, no, we're going to, we'll save that for what's the change because my change is, I want to change their opinion, their terrible opinions and tell them why they're wrong. So we'll get to that later. Let's talk positively about the Bruce Lee scene. What a fight. I, I mean, it, that's in my, um, one of my best minutes. Great. It's the point where he just um, lobs him into the car. That den in the car says different. It, right, um, it no one was beating the, let, me, let me get something straight. Nobody was beating the shit out of Bruce. <laughs> What's who called? Um, what does um, um, Brad call him? Kato. Because it, uh, it's Green Hornet. Green Hornet, yeah, that's yeah. his character. Sounds yeah. good, Kato. Because <laughs> he's calling out his bullshit. Yeah. He's like, good for you. You're a TV actor on yeah. the Green Hornet. You may, because at that time, I do believe he hasn't done any of the martial arts movies. I, I did not do. He may, have done some, he may have done some 50s ones, but Enter the Dragon, I do believe, is, yeah, 73. So we're a while off. That's four years, Tom, after 1969. Very good. Well, this is why you're here. Um, so we're a while off him actually showing his extreme talent for the martial arts. Uh, obviously, he shows it in The Green Hornet, but it's, 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 you know, it's, a bit, it's a bit more kitschy. It's not the extended, incredibly... Done scenes of um, uh, in Enter the Dragon. Good scene, good scene. Sharon having a nice little movie day. Are we on minute? Because are you doing ten minutes? These are ten minute stretches. All right. Uh, no, Sharon going to the the cinema is in my minute as well. I think that's, that's very a very good. long minute. Yeah. I was thinking changing it to short stretch and long stretch, but that's too, I feel like that's giving too much leeway. I don't know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, Sharon having a lovely little movie day. It was really upsetting actually watching this in the current climate because it just made me, oh, that I just, oh, that's one of the main things I want to do is go to the movies and not have to wear a mask and just sit there and watch a good movie again. You know what I don't want to do at the movies, though, Will? Put your feet on the seat. Put my dirty, dirty, <laughs> dirty feet up, you heathen. Good God, Margot. What are you doing? <laughs> Why? It was a creative choice as well. Yes. Yeah, so Quentin's at the back going, Margot, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, he goes, put your feet down. Wait, you want me to put my feet down? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even Quentin. <laughs> Oh, we now have a bit of Span Ranch. People, you know, Quentin's editor said he didn't know what the tone of the movie was. And then he saw the Span Ranch stuff and he said, oh, are we making a horror this time? It's it is such it's an incredible building. Terrifying. Attention. And then the the sort of um the payoff 
that he's not dead. Mm. You think the whole time, right, he's chopped up in the bat somewhere. Mm. And then it, it feels like Silence of the Lambs. It feels like, yeah. oh, is she a greedy fat person? Oh, yeah, I've got a card. Have you seen a Frederick Bimmel? It feels like that setup. You know, yeah. I don't like getting gypped out of my Georgetown. You may have to shake him up. I fucked his brains out this morning. <laughs> and then that lovely little scene between George and, and uh, mm. Cliff. It's Cliff Booth. John Wilkes, who? No, Cliff. Cliff Booth. Oh, uh, and the six months later montage. Uh, the in the six months later into out of yeah. time, which mm, maybe a touch would be a little bit on the nose if it wasn't such an incredible song. Coleman, mm. and that for me is the biggest love letter to LA. Those lights coming on one after another, so beautiful. It's incredible cinematography from uh, Robert Richardson. And then I have the finale. What was your first impression um, when? you saw when when brandy gets clicked and suddenly we're into i i was just laughing out loud in the cinema like <laughs> I, uncontrollably yes it's incredible incredible violence incredible hilarity so well constructed such an incredibly in well constructed <laughs> that... the little cuts to um him just having a fun time in his yeah. pool <laughs> 25, 65, I need no more. Great, great stuff. That is just a lights out sequence. I'd say oh, yeah. from six months later. Yeah, the film has a slightly slower pace than compared to other Tarantinos. Um, for instance, Django, same length, but that, you know, really, I mean, this flies by for me, but this, Django really has a real clip to it. This does have a steadier pace in the middle. I yeah. love it. I love breathing in this world, you know, it's, I love soaking everything in, all the details. So great. But um, that six months later, final half hour or so, is you're, you're gone. If that's on Sky Movie, if that, I hope, I'm looking forward to when Once for a Time in Hollywood comes into the Sky Movies circuit because that's going to be knockout, lights out. Um, Tom's really specific favorite parts of the film. It's a trailer moment and it still plays wonderful in the film. The cigarette butts uh, falling out of the car when he, when he comes out. The, the, the initial Kurt Russell narration, uh, <laughs> that's a big fucking lie. I thought, whoa, you know, and it's got the ice on him. It's great stuff. Oh, the shooting. <laughs> um, green door. Yes. Incredible. What a great... Uh, are you a big Shaking Stevens guy? I would not be surprised if you were the biggest Shaking Stevens fan <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I I do like Shaking Stevens. I mean, I mean, in particularly the Christmas song. That's my, I think, second favourite Christmas song. Really? Yeah, well, no, maybe it's not second, but it's definitely in the top five. It's, I love it. Uh, oh, shouldn't say it. We're in March. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not October. Um, Robinson, Mrs. Robinson. Yes, do, do 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 do. Just that great slow motion, which has got the pickles. 
you like what pickles? No, don't like pickles. No? I, was, I was just going to say. Well, I don't uh, like you. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say that would be one of the most sexy film moments of the past years. If she wasn't wearing pickles, if she wasn't wearing pickles, wearing if she was <laughs> wearing pickles from her ears. Let's talk about Margaret Qualley. We are both joined in a massive hatred of Andy McDowell. <laughs> but however, Andy McDowell has birthed a wonderful, incredible actress, uh, Margaret Qualley. You've only seen her in this. I saw her in the wonderful television series Fosse Verdon about Bob Fosse and his relationship to Gwen Verdon, where she played. Um, not Lee Remick, I always forget her name, Anne Reinking, uh, and she was she was great, really, really good in that, and uh, she's fantastic in this as uh, Pussycat. Uh, that Did she scene... get nominated? No, no, she didn't get nominated or anything. Oh, that is a shame. Would you, who, would, who are you nominating? Qualley or uh, Roby? Uh, Wally. Is that because Margot doesn't have any enough dialogue? I, I, I reject your hypothesis. <laughs> um, back to Margot Qualley, back to Pussycat. Hitchhiking, those lovely little hitchhiking singles. Going that way. Um, 15 years. I write notes and I have no idea. Yeah. 15 years. 15 years later? <laughs> when do we go 15 years later? Is at 15, the end? 15 years, dot, dot, dot. Oh, God, that's going to annoy me. Uh, the bookshop with the little mm. Maltese falcon and oh, now we're talking books, kid. Love that line. Uh, just the honesty in which with it's delivered. Um, and obviously Tess does become one of Polanski's next films with um, Natasha Krasinski. Um, line. What? Oh, when he, when uh, he's filming and he goes, line. Oh, line, yeah. yeah. <laughs> line. That, that snap. I love that, I love that. Incredible build-up. You're just in the moment and you... You, you completely forget and you mm. think all right okay this is fun and then when he just just like breaks the suspension of disbelief I, well, I how look. good does that chicken look he's eating it looks very good it's good chicken i love when he finally gets to when he picks up pussycats and then she goes fuck you pigs and he just goes oh yeah. no <laughs> 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 um it's a it's a moment that dare I say we have all had where we there is a significant other who oh they're really attractive and then they do something batshit crazy and we have to weigh up. Is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? <laughs> like like uh, Ben Stiller in Along Came Polly. Yes. Um we love pussy. Yes we do. <laughs> Another great clip line. Um Fucked his dot dot dot. What? Is that something she says in the car? No, because these are chronological. <laughs> Fucked mm. his dot dot dot. Fucked his brains out this morning. You may have to shake him awake. I fucked his brains out yeah. this morning. <laughs> um, oh, I know what 15 years is. 
it's in the wonderful scene with Trudy where she goes, that sounds like a really sad story. 15 years you're going to be living it. Which I thought was the funniest line <laughs> I've ever heard in a yeah. long time. Nobody laughed in England. In America, they laughed out loud. Uh, the throwing down, fix it. And then the, yeah. oh, what a punch. The in the what six plan. months later, <laughs> in the six months later montage, the freeze frame, and then ding, clip. Love that. Mm. The drive away. Um, when, uh, yeah, when, when uh, Mayor, Mayor, what's she called? Mayor, Mayor Hawk? She's Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter. Oh, I don't know. Um, she's the one who was like, she's the one who was in Stranger Things 3. Oh, no, I hadn't seen that. No, it's okay. And, uh, and she's the one who was like, oh, okay. And she drives, and then she just drives away. She forgets a knife and then she drives away. I like that gag. Uh, Cliff's mm. drug finger. Ooh. Yeah. And away we go. And then Leo's pool setup. Mm. <laughs> great, great pool yeah. setup. Yeah. Uh, Will's more general favorite parts of the film. Um, I, I mean, go back to the, the, the drugs, um, him licking the dog food. Oh no, I don't like that. I mean, it's not. I don't like. It's not in change because it's obviously yeah. great. But I don't like. Oh, <laughs> that that whole uh, in the trailer, like for the first time we we see the dog and the dog food, mm -hmm. and then in making that mac and cheese, it just looks full. I want to eat. Very that. satisfying. It's How very satisfying nice. is that dog food coming out the can? Oh. <laughs> and then the and then the, the brandy lips. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> and then when he agrees with Mannix and he's like, In, yeah, musicians are temperamental folks. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just sat there watching his TV. Guy lives in a trailer behind a drive-in movie theatre. Yeah. Um, I've got um, uh, the Inglorious Bastards. I don't know if it's an Inglorious Bastards reference, but the, uh, the sort of... Uh, sauerkraut mon little, yes little thing. yes that is very funny it feels like an enter it feels like an inglorious bastards there is of course an inglorious bastards reference uh the director mm. of operation dynamite antonio margaretti yes uh antonio <laughs> margaretti they should have all been directed by dominique de coco and then Gorlami. <laughs> They should have all been named. <laughs> um, yeah, the the speedboat, the killing his wife sequence. Uh, sequence. Um, the the little free running bit when he's like jumping when he jumps. Yeah, parkour. I'm like, oh, I go. hope that was That's, Brad. Uh, I really do. I really hope that Brad Pitt really is the perfect man, mm. and 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 he can he can do that. <laughs> yeah, the um the realization uh, of Brad when. Uh, the guy comes into his house when Tex comes in and he's like, Ah, oh, I know who you are. And no, that, you. Like, hey. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, it was dumber than that. <laughs> it was dumber than that. I'm the devil. And he was saying, I'm the devil and I'm here to do <laughs> some devil shit or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Great. 
And that's, um, uh, that's, that's Will's notes. And that's Will's notes. It's time for Soundtrack Corner. What a light-out soundtrack. You're only allowed is. to talk about one song, Tom. Right. Oh, yeah, you bastard. Right. <laughs> I could have chosen to talk about You Keep Me Hanging On, because yeah. I think it's an incredible choice, and that soundtracking that sequence is incredible. However, yeah. I think it is better used in the, fi- in the final season of Mad Men. There's a lovely moment where that plays us out. I could talk about Neil Diamond's Brother Love's Travelling Salvation Show. Um, <laughs> I could talk about um, Good good Thing, because those were the two trailer songs. And it was like, oh my God, get me in front of this film right now. However, uh, and I also love California Dreaming by Jose Feliciano for when they're driving home. However, I have, I do have to, <laughs> and I also love Mrs. Robinson. However, <laughs> I may just, I'm going to give it a tie. And it's the Playboy Man, the two songs in the Playboy Mansion sequence. It's Hush, when Sharon just in, looks incredible, slow-mo, hair blowing in the wind. Hush is an incredible song anyway. Um, but with Robert Polanski just as Austin Powers just <laughs> driving through and that slow motion into Son of a Loving Man and that wonderful dance sequence. Uh, yes, yeah. there my, that's my tie. I, you... I've got Hush and California Dreaming. Good choice as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Which leads us, of course, well, not of course, actually, <laughs> doesn't lead, lead doesn't lead us into it at all. But it is time for Oscar travesty, and for me, this really is an Oscar travesty. It was Parasite. Right, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the summer, and I was like, oh my god, this is Tarantino's year. He's going to win. Yeah, he's going to finally win. This is Tarantino's year. And then I watched Marriage Story and I was like, oh, this is going to be really tight between Marriage Story and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> then I watched Parasite, The Lighthouse and The Irishman in the same day at the cinema. And I thought, oh, God, <laughs> I didn't think that Parasite was going to sweep. <laughs> I'm not not happy because Parasite mm, was no. excellent. There is one category where I am genuinely annoyed that Parasite won. However, I would have been happy if it was an Irishman sweep. I would have been happy if it was a one, uh, a marriage story sweep. And I would have been happy if it was a Parasite sweep. However, I would have been the most happy if it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sweep. I really do think this yeah. is the perfect Tarantino yeah. movie. I really do think this was Tarantino's yeah. best directed film. I could have I could have really gone for Parasite Best Picture, Tarantino Best Director. I Yeah. I, I, it was a weird year as well because there was just no surprise. Well no no no. There was just no surprise in the four acting categories. No, no, no. The the actors would you you knew it straight away. They'd been locked in for yeah. a very long time. Dern, Zellweger, Phoenix and Pitt had been yeah. locked in for a very long time. You still haven't seen Mary's Story. I don't know how. It's no. the second best film of the year. But um, Laura Dern, no doubt, incredible there. Oh, no, you... Are you going to make a shout for Florence Pugh? Um, uh, I do love Florence Pugh. 
Um, Actually, she was better in Midsummer. I've not seen that. That's very good. She's better in that. Yeah. However, I I would say um, it would would have to be um, Ronan, I think. I don't know why there was no nomination there. There was. Oh, there was. It's right there because she had a bigger part. Yeah, best uh, actress. Uh, she, of course, loses to Renee yes. for Judy. I've uh, not seen Judy. Judy's lovely. Uh, very nice movie. As we said, any other year, this is Pacino's year, this is Pesci's year, but you're not going to beat Brad. You're oh, no. just not going to beat Brad. When he's at his best, there's just no stopping Now, him. we can't throw the Adam Driver horse in the race, even though I think it really should have been tighter. I'm going to say it, and I don't care who's listening. Look at me, I'm acting. Look at me, I'm acting. I'm acting all the time. Look at, ooh, I'm going to do some dancing. I'm acting, I'm acting. Joaquin Phoenix was excellent in Joker. He was nowhere near as good as DiCaprio as Rick Dalton. I think this is DiCaprio's best since Wolf of Wall Street, and hence the best performance he has ever done. And I do think in almost every regard, he should have won Best Actor. It's a better performance than Phoenix. Will, fight or join me? Um, I am fighting. I, Go for I it. Think Go for it. Wa- Joaquin is, is phenomenal in Joker. Um, no doubt. No doubt. I... Yeah, um, it's a strange film. It's a, it's I, I enjoyed it very much, um, but it, it's it, it's a strange. I I can't really explain what it is about it. Uh, maybe you can vocalise it, um, but I, I do think um, Joaquin deserved it more. Okay. Did you change your mind after you listened to his five-minute acceptance speech about cows? And <laughs> no. Yes. I, I, I think I think it's a big. I think it's it's the problem is, and I was very very reductive of his performance when I talked about it just then. But it, there is. But it is. Look at me. Look at how much acting I'm doing. Which surely is what the uh, the award is for. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's for best actor. It's for best performance. Ryan Gosling should have won the year that First Man came out, but it was far too subtle for anybody to notice. It was far too subtle. Neil Armstrong didn't have a long, shouty speech where he went, I'm going to land on the moon, and I'm saying it right now. No, he didn't. He was a very, he was a very somber man. And so Ryan Gosling doesn't get the nomination. DiCaprio... DiCaprio and Driver, obviously Driver is the famous memed moment. You know, I'm sure you'll know the meme, which I do think is a terrible thing about the fate of Mary's story. And although I like those memes, and actually, I love all those I've memes. I've not seen any of the memes. I don't even know what Mary's story is about. Take a wild guess. Is it a story about a marriage? <laughs> no, it's a story about a divorce. And oh. so in many ways, it is a story about a marriage. You, you don't like Scarlett Johansson, do you? No. I think I'm not the hugest fan in the world. I think she's excellent. And she may, she probably should have won Best Actress. But anyway, um, I, I, for me, it's between DiCaprio and Driver. But 
I know that I'm outnumbered. Let's talk about the big annoyance for me. Again, Mary's Story is the close second for me. I really think Mary's Story is an incredibly written film. And I'm really glad that Knives Out got a nomination, actually, because that is another greatly scripted film. But there's just no doubt in my mind, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wins this goddamn award, Best Original Screenplay. Parasite is, has many, many incredible qualities, and its script is one of them. But it's nowhere near as good as this as, as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's just no, it's just Hollywood, not happening. Yeah. It's just not happening. It's just of not all happening. of them, that's the Oscar travesty. It does. Um, which leads us into a Oscar happy and leads us into yeah. our next category because it does win for best production design in this incredible recreation of 1969 LA. Uh, Will lead us through. Here we go. Um, well, I mean, you've got. I think I alluded to probably in La La Land all those many years ago. Yes, um, that was our second episode. Yeah. Um, I. Whenever a movie set is recreated, mm. it's just perfect. Gets you where you live. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of all the Where's Wallys I used to. There was always like a movie set Hollywood Where's Wally page, and I always enjoyed them. Uh, I, I, I mean, it would be very easy to say uh, Rick's house because it is that's phenomenal, an house. and that's where you want to live. <laughs> we this um, we have talked about this before. How sometimes Will's favorite building or set does turn into. Um, a place in the sun where it's like we just pick a house <laughs> that we'd like to live in. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, if you were gonna... to pick one, Will, if you were to pick oh. one, as you so brutally did in Soundtrack Corner. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, Rick's house. Rick's house. <laughs> Good question. Uh, best single minute. I'll just plough through these. The two openings, the black and white uh, Bounty Law opening and then the Treat her right. Do 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 do. Opening little intro. Uh, just Brad Pitt driving home. That's an old. That's an incredible single minute for me. Flying by those things. Uh, the dressing in the trailer where we meet our director, played by the original Spider-Man, is like, I want a big Zambada type mustache. I want him to look like a hippie. I want him to Caleb. I, I, I think he's really steals those scenes. Uh, the wife, Trudy. Um, gr let's talk about the great escape moment. Mm. Does that work for you? It didn't work I for some it. people. I love, I it, love too. it. I love everything in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Every problem that people have in this one, which are, we're coming up to in what's changed, I can't stand. They're just so, so wrong. Um, the nighttime, California dreaming, that driving home yeah. sequence. Beautiful. Beautiful mm. stuff. And then the final minute, that beautifully poetic, haunting ending that we have alluded to. As well as, you know, on the outskirts of that minute, the, um, you're a good friend, Cliff. And then, I try. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> as he Wonderful says, he's wheeled stuff. off. As he's slowly wheeled <laughs> away. Why don't you go lay naked with that creature in there? Ah, oh, she's taking 15 fucking sleeping pills. She's sleeping until Columbus Day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be with yeah. me. Come tomorrow. Bring bagels. Great stuff. Have you? Have I missed anything? I, I'm exactly the same as you. Uh, but I'll throw into there um, his little tantrum in his trailer oh, with that yes, wonderful yes, yes, yes. Uh, angle with the mirror position. Mm. So then he's just talking right at you, the viewer. That is that's very clever. Some I love rare that. Tarantino improv. That was yeah. a wholly improvised thing. Some rare in a Tarantino. He likes his own words. He does. <laughs> he does. And who wouldn't when they are that? Yeah. When they are um, that excellent. 
doing bringing that noisy hunk of shit around here at midnight? This is a private road, all right? Who are you? And who are you here to see, huh? Nobody, sir. We just got lost and a little turned around. Ah, oh, horse shit. Fucking hippies came up here to smoke dope on a dark road, huh? Next time you want to try that, fix your fucking muffler. Look, we're really sorry we disturbed you. Look, Chief, you don't belong here. Now take this mechanical asshole and get it off my fucking street! to turn it around. Well, drive it backwards, dumb nuts, but fucking drive it and drive it now. Okay, okay, stop yelling. Hold your horses. We're leaving. The hell are you looking at, you little ginger-haired fucker? Hey, come around here again. I'm gonna call the fucking cops. Excellent. And then I'd throw in just, I mean... It, to highlight that ending scene, it's the bit where, oh, is everything okay? No, oh, some hippies just broke into my house and, and yeah. killed me. Yeah, that's... I teach, I teach Sharon that she lives next to J.K. Hill. <laughs> so beautiful. And then just that single minute where she comes, yeah. that moment where she comes on this, when she comes on the oh, um, intercom. I'll throw a, a, another minute in. It's, the first, it's when um, he first, Rick, goes out to confront the hippies in the car. And he's just got the big cocktail. <laughs> oh. Cut! Dennis Harper! Move your car! <laughs> great stuff. Great, great stuff. Because it is a hunk of junk, yeah. that blood, and it's smoking up a goddamn stone. Yeah. Um, best line, I mean, whoa. We've been quoting this. It's only been two years, but I feel like we've quoted this for ten. When you come to the end of the line with a buddy who is more than a brother and a little less than a wife, getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell. Um, I've got, is everyone okay? Well, the fucking hippies aren't, that's the goddamn <laughs> show. <laughs> um, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Nah, it's dumber than that. <laughs> Something like Rex. God, shoot him, Tex, Tex! <laughs> Um, uh, I like Brad uh, calming uh, Rick down in the car. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. My buddy and his dog killed two of them, and no shit, I torched the last one. Torched? Yeah, I burned her ass to a crisp <laughs> with a flamethrower from the falling fist of McCluskey. <laughs> yeah, I just love. <laughs> Go on. Um, I like. Uh, what the hell are you looking at, you little gingerhead fucker? <laughs> Look, when he's in the back of the car. Christ. Look, Chief, you don't belong here. Now take this mechanical asshole and get it off my fucking street. Hey, Dennis Harper, move this fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. and, um, uh, the bit where he's like, oh, yeah, my buddy and his dog killed two of them, and, and no shit, I torched the last one. Torch? Yeah, I burned her ass to a crisp. I just said that, Will. Did you? <laughs> oh, no. I'm not listening to you. I'm just excited. They're great lines. Well, I've, I've got no more. Plow through your, the rest of yours. Anybody order fried sauerkraut, burning <laughs> nasty bastards. <laughs> That's great. That's good. <laughs> good. Um, let's talk about what's the change. Let's do it. So I have here my one change, but also it's not a change. And I've come around on it. Oh. 
it's annoyed me that Lancer, even though it's a TV show, is shot like a modern day film. It does annoy me because because every time we cut to a film, it's the exact aspect ratio. It's the exact film film stock. It's the black and white 16 millimeter. It's mm. the 35 millimeter for the Fortin Fist McCluskey. But then Lancer's yeah. just shot as we've shot the rest of the movie. It I think, yeah, I, I could, I could see your point, but it, it, it works and I love it because of that suspension of disbelief and, and then, that sudden line, which is pull you out. always been my back and forth yeah. with it, is that it obviously, which yeah. is actually my back and forth with my grandma, because she's, when, when she's like, I thought there was too much of it. And I said, yeah, but if there wasn't so much of it, then we wouldn't get sucked in. And yeah. then that line wouldn't break us. And she goes, Nah, they still still need could have done a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to go back to the very first oh imagine going back to the very first time you watched this. And just I mean there's many points in the movie when you blow up. But that that oh as soon as he went lying, I'm like and it's another burst out laughing again. It's mm. just so clever. He's a clever man. He is a very, very clever man. On this little show we do, what do we do next? What's left from Will's notes? Uh nothing. I, I have what I like to call the perfect night in, where it's Al Pacino and he's got some film prints with a beautiful <laughs> yeah. wife. In like his what, basement movie room? Basement, and he, I poured a cognac and I. <laughs> and, like, there you go. There you go. And we watched 70 millimeter prints of Tanner and the 40 of McCluskey. And then this morning I came into my office early and I watched two episodes of Barry Law. That's like my perfect day. With Al Pacino. <laughs> uh, if I was Al Pacino's wife, I, I, I'd, I'd get over it very quickly. Uh, I think I'd, I think I'd, I think I'd, I think I'd change sexualities to just spend, to be Al Pacino's common law partner. <laughs> uh, and that's it for my notes. It's time for a few fun facts though. Um, Brad Pitt ad-libbed the line, you're Rick fucking Dalton, don't you forget that. Pitt based that line on an actor who told him the same thing when he was a budding actor in the early 90s. You're Brad fucking Pitt. Don't you forget that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Margot Robbie, who plays Sharon Tate, wears some of Sharon Tate's real jewellery provided by Tate's sister, Deborah oh, wow. Tate. Yeah, it's really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Maltese Falcon, seen in the bookstore, visited by Tate, is the real Maltese Falcon from the movie The Maltese Falcon. And guess who now owns it? The Maltese Falcon? Or oh, Quentin Tarantino? Leo. Ah, oh, that was uh, my next guess. Yeah, we talked about Antonio Margarete. Tim Margarete. Roth is credited. And we talked about that too. This is Luke Perry's last film, unfortunately. And Sharon Tate visits a bookstore to buy a copy of Test the Dervilles. The real Sharon Tate gave her husband Polanski a copy of the book while in Europe, just before she returned back to the US, saying that it would make a great film in which she would love herself to star. This was the last time that Polanski saw Tate alive. He would later adapt the book as Tess and dedicate it to his murdered wife. Powerful, beautiful, very sad. Tom's big question. Oh, no, 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 no. And what's the change? We need to talk about people's terrible opinions. Let's just plough through them. Sharon Tate doesn't have any dialogue. She has lots of dialogue. And she, she's a symbol. She is this beautiful angel, this tragic figure that hangs over this movie beautifully. 
that's the I, I just can't stand it because it's so clearly the point of the film. It's not she's not an underwritten female character. I'd also argue it's not a Sharon Tate movie. Yes. Exactly. Sharon Tate is a zeitgeist. Sharon Tate is this ghost that haunts us and is the, the looming change that's gonna knock on everybody and yeah. wake everybody up. Just the one sleeping in the back there. Go get him and bring him into the living room. What if he says no? Don't take no for an answer. You're the one with the knife. Get him in here. Hey. You are real, right? I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. stuff um and the the bruce lee thing well, i guess this leads into one of my questions is the bruce lee fight real or is it is it cliff getting a bit excited in his head ah, did cliff real. really did cliff really knock bruce lee into a car yes yeah i've always thought he had too this is tarantino's thing he's like because everyone's like, you can't say that somebody would beat Bruce Lee. And in the original script, he did. Obviously, in this, they cut, so we don't know who wins. But he says, he's a fictional character. If I think that Cliff Booth can beat Batman, then he can. <laughs> I mean, I, that's my exact answer. He's not real. So, like, of course, he can do whatever he wants. And then also, Tarantino obviously has great, great admiration and affection for Lee. It's, yeah. it's not a... It's not a bad portrayal at all. Some people think he comes off too arrogant. He was a little arrogant. He was a little arrogant. It doesn't make him less of an incredible performer, incredible soul, incredible martial artist. But you I would be arrogant if you had that the, talent. The arrogance is what drives the comedy and, and, and yes. of that scene. It's Again, it's so that, To get obvious. that reaction. Again, I have no complaints because it's so clearly the point. <laughs> Other yeah. questions. Um, has Cliff Booth been to prison? He says, I'm too old to go to prison for Poontang. Prison's tried to get me all my life, and it still hasn't. But then he later says, spent 15 months on a chain gang in Austin, the last cop's jaw I ever bust. So I, I don't think he has been. The last, because the last cop's jaw I ever bust does feel like He's trying to ingratiate his way into this family. I think he's sensing the danger. Yeah. Because obviously, and then it gets a great reaction out of Pussycat. Yeah. 
Charlie's going to dig you. <laughs> Charlie's going to dig you. Uh, and let's talk, let's end on a really positive note. Let's have no ambiguity to this question, Will. Does Rick Dalton now become the biggest successful actor in the world? Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> he, he's in. He's one of the. He's one of the sons in The Godfather. Let's right. It's sixty nine. We'll end here because I don't, there's no sequel. There's no closing. There is a great closing line. Do you want to come up to the house? Beautiful. Let's end here. Let's cast Rick Dalton in some seventies movies. Uh oh. Okay, uh, he becomes James Bond. Um, he replaces He's the first Connery. First American James Bond. He replaces Connery uh, in *Live and Let Die*. Oh, so you're still having George Lazenby do one of our <laughs> Secret Service? Yeah, we'll still let him do that. We'll still let him have best one. one. Yes, according to Mark Knowles yeah. and Christopher Nolan. Uh, yeah, by all accounts, yeah, lots of people do like it. Yeah, I'm going to give him, I'm going to cast him as... Rick Dalton in Marathon Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the Lawrence Olivier part. Yeah, in the Lawrence Olivier <laughs> Actually, Rick Dalton as Roy Scheider in Marathon Man. Mm, yes. That would be, like, actively very good. <laughs> Rick Dalton as Chris Walken in The Deer Hunter. Ooh. Rick Dalton could be one of the other guys in The Deer Hunter. He can't oh, be. yeah. He can't, no, can't be, it's not me and Christopher Walken or De Niro, <laughs> but he can be, actually, it could be the De Niro role. I could see that. I could see Dalton. <laughs> Rick Dalton as Sonny in Greece. Rick Dalton, <laughs> Rick Dalton, this is an actual one that we discussed oh. in our Butch Cassidy episode. So Butch Cassidy is 69, isn't it? Yeah, 69. Okay, so... Uh, they don't make Butch Cassidy yet. Instead of Redford and Newman, which I really don't want, Cliff Booth makes his acting debut as as uh, Butch and Dalton plays Sundance. <laughs> oh. How good would a Tarantino directed, still using the William Goldman script, Still see, using the exact same script. This is what I script. want to see now. Is I want. I mean, you'll never get it, but I want. I really want this expand as like the expanded universe of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with these real actors acting in films. But yeah, well, he said he's he said he's written he's three made, episodes he's made of Bounty Law. Yeah, he says he's written them. He he'd gladly do them. So I'd watch it. Who wouldn't watch it? Great stuff. Well, we adore this film to no end. Mm. I, I believe, I can't remember where I put it, but it made it onto my top 10 films of the 2010s. I, I'm very tempted to move it up my list. Oh, up and up. Oh no, you wouldn't be bumping anything. Okay, let's do this live. Right, are you ready? Oh, I've, no, got, it, I've got it here, this. I've got it okay. here. So. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is currently at 10. Mm. Is it bump, Is it moving to 9, moving When Harry Met Sally to 10? Uh, you're looking at the wrong list. That's incorrect. Why is that incorrect? Because I didn't update it. Oh, Will. 
For the beginning get... of next episode, we'll be back with my new ranking. With your new ranking. <laughs> well, all the same, it's been a pleasure. This rounds out Tarantino Fortnite. It does. This rounds out um, Block 7. Oh. And this is our 90th episode. Um, Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we now announce that... We are now, over the next three weeks, going to be doing something entirely, entirely, entirely different. You'll get seven bonus episodes. Well, not really. They'll be coming out instead of the movies. But it's time for our first annual quizathon, Which will soon become, what, biannual? Yes, Richard. What do you mean, biannual? Oh, sorry. Half annual? Twice a year. <laughs> yeah, do you want it to be twice a year? Yes, please. It was very Every fun, week. wasn't it? I love quizzes. Quizzes are great. Featuring previous guests galore, uh, Katrina Unit, Sam Mandagomi, Nathan Sloan, Alice Priest, um, and your and my mother, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And um, I will be your host, uh, which means that your co-host, William Legator, will be in it. Uh, so that's all very, very exciting to look forward to. Will... Yo, Will fucking Legata, don't you forget it. Now you say something to me. Um, Wow. That was awkward.